most connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain. 11.06 a.m. every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB. We are Saving the greatest country in the world is not a short-term proposition, folks. We can save this great nation, but it's going to take all of us. Why? Because we are America. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because you know we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts because we want you to be better informed and inspired to help make this a better USA. Breaking news. Breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey there, Herman. How you doing today? Magnificent. Is the president of the United States the only one who thinks that ISIS has been contained? Well, obviously, I think you're going to hear a lot more from Republicans about that, whether here in the Congress or out on the presidential campaign trail, because obviously they don't see the Islamic State as being contained. And this morning, coming out of a House uh, meeting of House Republicans, uh, just uh, you know, sticking the microphone in front of almost anybody from the GOP, elicited the response of the U.S. needs to do more in terms of military action. But you know, at this point in time, the, I think the president made it very clear again yesterday in his news conference uh, that he had that uh, he is staying the course. He's making no changes. In and now he plans to deal with the Islamic State militarily and got fairly annoyed with reporters yesterday as he was wrapping up the G20 summit in Turkey. Uh, the, the Republicans that I spoke to today all sort of acknowledge there's not much they can do to change uh, the president's course since he is the commander in chief. But they simply argue that a stronger military force is needed from the United States and, and some also calling on Middle Eastern nations and the Muslim world to step up as well, Herman. Have you heard much about his relationship with the Joint Chiefs? I know that they are good soldiers. They most of them are. And sometimes I wonder, and I'm sure other people wonder, the degree to which the president goes against what they say versus listening to their advice. Well, I think, you know, the one thing that we have to remember is where he came from, and that is he was elected in 2008. Uh, and one of his big planks was obviously to stop the war in Iraq and to stop the war in Afghanistan. And whether you like it or not, I think that easily explains where we are at this point in time. He does not want to, in a sense, start a new war. He does not want that as part of his legacy. He wanted to end the, the wars that were began in the Bush administration, not uh, let them go on, and not start something new. And again, whether you think that's right or wrong isn't the point. I think that is really what drives him here, and frankly what drives a lot of Democrats in the Congress as well. Yes, there are some uh, hawks, some defense hawks in the Democratic Party here in Congress, not very many, but for the most part, rank-and-file Democrats are all for what the president wants to do. They do not want to see more involvement when it comes to military action over in the Middle East. Well, maybe someone should inform them that ISIS and the terrorists have already started a war with us here in this country and around the world. So I understand where he's coming from, and he's sticking to it pretty much as well as... He certainly is. Yeah. I don't see him getting off that time at this point in time. Now, obviously, we can have a legitimate discussion about whether that's the right move. I mean, the one thing you don't hear either from Republicans, frankly, is a call for a big U.S. military operation in terms of thousands and thousands of U.S. troops going over there. But I think what they would like to see is a stepped-up kind of campaign 
from the U.S. military involving others as well in going against the Islamic State. Now, the other big issue that's filtering in, of course, is what to do about refugees coming in from Syria. The administration wants to admit about 10,000 of them over the next year, and that has drawn not only a uh, big thumbs down from uh, many Republicans here in the Congress, but also from a, a number of Republican governors and one Democratic governor, the governor of New Hampshire, who has so far signaled uh, their refusal to allow in new Syrian refugees. I would say this, the, the, the governors probably really don't have much of a legal standing to do that. I mean, think about it. Uh, the U.S. government would allow these people to come in. They'd probably arrive in, say, New York or something like that. And then you really can't shut down the interstates coming into your state or anything like that to check papers of people or anything. So know that some of the governors have said they don't want any of them there, but if people are legally present in the United States, I'm not sure there's going to be any legal uh, sort of backstop for uh, individual states. Here in the Congress this morning, Republicans came out of their House meeting today, and Speaker Paul Ryan said that there will be a vote on a bill later this week that would allow for a temporary pause in the admission of any Syrian refugees. Uh, there's a number of Republicans who say that uh, they don't want to stop the admission of refugees because the U.S. should be a beacon for those people. But at the same time, they say there's got to be some checks in terms of terrorism and more on anybody coming in from Syria. So a vote on something still not defined, but some kind of measure later this week, Herman, in the House of Representatives. But now if the federal government says and they have the authority, the president has authority said we're going to bring these refugees in. Can they then the government impose them on the states without providing the necessary funding in order to take care of them? I would assume that under the refugee programs that there would be something there, but there would also be groups that would help settle them and help bring them to different places. Uh, you know, look, uh, again, the states don't run the immigration laws. The states don't control the borders. You know, that's, uh, I know we're called the United States of America, but really the executive branch is the one in charge of that. And if they judge that people are legal and legitimate in the United States, I'm not sure what kind of filters that the state governments would have. I guess they could try to deny certain people, uh, you know, even though they're here legally, certain benefits. But I would think, I, I'm no lawyer, but I'm not sure that would stand up in court too well. I think we're headed for a showdown on this because what's up, what these states are saying. I'm not sure it would be much of a legal showdown. Not frankly. a legal showdown, but the states are saying, you want us to take refugees that we don't have the resources to take. I understand where they're coming from. That's part of the frustration. I understand the legal argument that it is a decision on the part of the federal government. But these governors are saying, what are we, what are we supposed to do? We have enough unfunded liabilities that are imposed on the states to begin with. And that might be part of the reason why you have so many. And so that's why I'm saying it's going to be a showdown. They aren't going to just roll over on this. They aren't going to just roll over on this issue just because the federal government has the authority. So that's what I mean by not a legal showdown, but that's going to be some sort of showdown on this. Well, there might be a political showdown. I mean, we might have it in Congress here. I mean, I think we'll be in the same situation where the House will pass a bill probably to put a pause on these Syrian refugees. And then it wouldn't surprise me if that gets filibustered by Democrats in the Senate. Uh, because the, the administration is clearly signaled, and the president clearly signaled his opposition yesterday, and I don't get any sense around the hallways here uh, that Democrats are worried about this, but we'll see how it plays out. Okay, we sure will. Got to tell you. What, what about the, um, you said the CIA has figured out how ISIS could go dark. What does that mean? Yeah, well, the the, the real worry amongst uh, the U.S. intelligence officials is that the Islamic State operatives who are out there have figured out ways to shield their communications from the prying eyes of Western intelligence agencies, oh, whether I the see. CIA, French intelligence, the NSA, whatever. 
and that uh, they use, whether it's uh, different apps on your smartphone that can do away with, with messages within a few seconds, or that they use chat rooms through video games and more uh, things that are not accessible, uh, not crackable in a sense by either law enforcement or intelligence, and that there is this worry, as the CIA chief said yesterday, that uh, the Islamic State operatives have been able to secure their communications in a way which makes it very difficult for whether it's the the CIA or any other agency around the the world to figure out what these people are up to. And, of course, that raises the stakes even more when it comes to possible attacks by the Islamic State. I mean, you know, with the Russians now confirming that it was a bomb that brought down that their jetliner over Egypt, you know, think about we've had two major terrorist attacks now by the Islamic State in the last couple of weeks. The one in Russia killed more people than it, and than they did in 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 Paris. Not to right. downplay that, but remember right. the pure numbers that are wor- at work here. And obviously, this sort of dovetails into the arguments that we've been having here in the United States about terrorism surveillance, the aftermath of the Snowden revelations, and more. And the CIA, uh, the FBI director has been warning for well over a year that the, the that we're coming to a situation where too much information is out of the reach of law enforcement and U.S. intelligence, and in the end could present a major problem for the U.S. in terms of security. We already saw, actually, um, uh, Marco Rubio attacking Ted Cruz on that same line and Rand Paul yesterday. So I, I think we'll see a little more mixing up about that. You know, the, the more libertarian leanings of some in the Republican Party have been against sort of the big terrorism surveillance kind of ideas, right. whereas Rubio and others have been uh, uh, strongly for it. For more capabilities on the part of the intelligence agencies. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, their argument is, yeah, you have to always balance it and be worried about what the state can do, but at the same time, you don't want to hamstring yourself. It, look, it's a it's a pretty big argument within the Republican Party that we've had over the uh, recent years with the Patriot Act and more, and uh, it's playing itself out a little here. And, you know, when we get into how uh, you, you bring national security and terrorism into the, the political campaign, obviously, again, for a lot of Republicans, they just make the, the one basic argument. They think the Obama administration has been weak in terms of dealing with uh, the Islamic State. Senator Feinstein, Democrat, as you know, she's on, I think, what, the Foreign Affairs The Intelligence Committee in the Senate, Committee, And she's saying that ISIS has not been contained, and I'm sure that others may be feeling, other Democrats, certainly, you know that a lot of Republicans don't feel it, but they're just not saying it at this particular point. Well, you know, it's a reminder that the president's statements uh, on uh, on the Islamic State have come back to haunt him several times. Not only the, the JV comment, which will be waved in his face repeatedly by Republicans. Frankly, it'll be waved at uh, Hillary Clinton if she's the nominee next year for the Democrats as well, since she was part of the administration when it comes to foreign policy and as Secretary of State. So, uh, I, I, again, I'm not saying that there's not an opportunity here for Republicans, but I'm still not convinced that terrorism slash national security is going to be the big issue next year. I think as quickly as what, what we've seen that really interests me is how quickly this whole terrorist attack has become an immigration issue. That tells me more about where uh, sort of the politics of this are and that Repu- for Republicans, that is a super hot-button issue. Well, if Hillary gets the nomination, and I noticed you said if, like there's any doubt, that's well, okay. you always have to say that, if. I mean, all, that's all right. I, I they agree. do play the games on, on the weekend for a reason, right? <laughs> you got. I, I don't have agree. a coronation. Yeah. But she also is going to have to talk about that Russian reset 
But oh sure, uh, I mean the listen. Uh, I think how's if that you're, working out? If you're a Republican, you look at Hillary Clinton and you will try to define her as simply the third term of the Obama administration. You'll try to hang on her every single foreign policy misstep, whether it occurred while she was Secretary of State or not. And, uh, you know, even in the debate on Saturday night in Iowa amongst Democrats, she found herself with just with the Democrats sort of playing defense and defending the administration and its choices on foreign policy. So you you can imagine if she has to do that in a debate with her fellow Democrats, she certainly is going to probably be put in that position by Republicans in a debate next fall. Oh, absolutely. You can just see it coming. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, Herman. You're listening to The Herman Cain 